listening to the Hornest Apple Music Playlist, now available on Station Head. Station Head's number one sports talk radio show with your host, Thomas Butler Guerrero. On Air Mobcast, joining me on today's episode is Houston Texans cornerback Lonnie Johnson. We're going to revisit his draft party held at Westside High School last April and his first playoff game when he scored his first NFL touchdown this past season against the Kansas City Chiefs. Before I send this Zoom invite, let me preview this podcast with Lonnie's 2019 draft party in Gary, Indiana. With the 54th pick in the 2019 NFL draft, the Houston Texans select Lonnie Johnson, DB, Kentucky. Blasted from behind, Lonnie Johnson Jr. His pro day was the best big corner pro day he's ever seen. He's outstanding. He has a lot of upside, and uh, he's just a fantastic person. Nice defensive play at the last second by Lonnie Johnson out there on the corner. What's up, H-Town, man? It's your boy Lonnie Johnson here. Um, Just excited, man. Just excited to be a part of that great defense. Excited to be a part of that great franchise, man. I'm just appreciated, man. I appreciate everything that y'all already done for me. Y'all just changed a young kid life. This man, everything I've been through, everything I've seen, just the whole process, man, coming from Gary, it's hard. You know, you got two you got two kids that's entering this draft from this city. You know what I'm saying? So it's just it's just hard being who we are, you know, just young black kids coming in from Gary, Indiana and showing a different way. What do you think is the most memorable moment from your time at Big Blue Nation, even at JUCO, compared to what you're going through right now? Just the struggle. The whole struggle in junior college, man. All the ups and downs, using the red shirt, yeah, the, everything it took to get to this level, it was hard. So that's, that just made me hungry, man. Proceed to your girlfriend on Saturday, drafting on Friday. Got a child on the way. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's just crazy right now, man. Uh, next thing, I mean, I'm just checking them off my list right now. You know, a proposal, I already did that. A draft, I already did that now. I'm waiting on my daughter to be here. So once she get here, then. Everything checked off my list, man. When she do? June 30. How have you prepared your cousin, John Vey? Or how has Coach Johnson even prepared you? Been preparing us for this since we were six years old, man. Since we first touched that football. As far as John Vey go, man, like he slept on. Like everybody know he slept on. It's going to happen for him, and I mean, I'm going to be right here, and I'm going to cheer for him. Why was it important for you to have it here with family, friends, at Westside, on the mind? I mean, this my roots. This where I'm from. This where I grew up at. I grew up right around the corner, man. Like this, this where I wanted to do it at. Um, just, just bring something back to Gary, inspire a young kid. You know, inspire somebody else to do the same thing. You know, there's different ways to get up out this city. Man, it's hot. It's beautiful. <laughs> it's you can hot. say one thing to the franchise, man. One thing to the Texans right now. What are you gonna give to the? Thank you. That's all I really want to say, man. Is thank you. Well, congratulations, man. Appreciate Thank you. Thank you. I'm good, bro. What you been on? 
Oh, well, I just turned mine sideways, just like a better image. First, I want to start off, let's go back to last April. Uh, we were at Westside High School during the day two of the draft. About 60 plus people in the room. Just tell me about the moment you knew you were being selected. Man, I mean, it was unbelievable. Didn't know who I was going to be selected by, so I was nervous, you know, super nervous. Um, and then once the call came in, I heard my phone ring. All I remember was like everything just went went silent. I ain't hit nobody. I ain't hit nothing. And then I just heard him say, you know what I'm saying? Like, this is the Houston Texans, and we're going to draft you with his next pick. And it was everything, all the emotions just came up. It was definitely surreal being able to hear everybody just screaming Houston Texans. <laughs> yeah. Instead of the commissioner, the Texans had receiver DeAndre Hopkins reveal your name. Uh, how valuable was being able to defend an all-pro receiver like Hopkins during your first NFL camp? He's a great receiver, you know. So just like I said before to some other people, you know, you got to go out there every day ready to practice. And go out there and just practice like he's not DeAndre Hopkins to you. Before the draft, you had been at Garden City and Kentucky. Uh, talk to me about your mentality during the long summer workouts with JUCO, even at Kentucky, compared to now, like it's the middle of a pandemic right now, and you're preparing for year two. Man, just basically always working, you know, um, never getting complacent, you know, just, just work and everything I do. Um, like the past schools, I was always working then, so it just never stopped. I got a big chip on my shoulder, so I'm, I'm going to keep it that way. The new CBA for the next decade it includes an extra 17 game in the regular season. It expands the playoff format. Uh, do you think an extra game is necessary, or do you think being healthy for the playoffs is more important? I would definitely say being being healthy for the playoffs is more important. Um, the extra game, I mean, we already got extra games if you make it to the playoffs. So, Were you dealing with any injuries in the last season? Uh, my ankle was bothering me a little bit, but, you know, I was just basically trying to, like, fight through all that during the playoffs. So it's already a long season. So with them adding it and making it longer, it's just, you know, it's just going to take a big toll on everybody's body. Speaking of the 17th game, your 17th NFL game, not including like preseason, you scored your first touchdown uh, against the eventual Super Bowl champion Chiefs. When you got your hands on that football, that blocked punt, and then all you saw was tunnel vision into the end zone. Once I seen the ball uh, get blocked and I was just trying to time it, to where when it bounced, I can scoop it and run. And I wasn't even thinking about, like, diving on it or anything. Like, my whole mentality once I seen the ball was pick it up and go straight to the end zone. And then once I got the ball, I was like, I'm not letting nobody catch me. You know what I'm saying? So that's why in the video you see me going a different way instead of going straight to the end zone because I thought some of my teammates was the Kansas City Chiefs, but it was my teammates behind me, but I wasn't letting nobody catch me. Last question I want to ask you, man. Like, how are you doing during this time? Tell me how you're managing to stay in shape and prepare for this upcoming season. Always working. You know, like I said, just always working. Whether I'm at home or I still work out with um, a couple of people. So, you know, I just, I'm just making sure I find a way to get my work in. And I, I always been this way. So. Again, thank you for coming on, man. 219 Rays. Definitely looking forward to seeing you this upcoming season, man. Again, thank you for coming on. Oh, yeah. Thanks, bro. Appreciate it. Line. Uh, Gary Native, Lonnie Johnson, Houston Texans second round Make sure to tune into the On Air Mobcast on all podcast platforms and listen to the full interview with cornerback Lonnie Johnson and my impression on the first two episodes of ESPN's documentary, The Last Dance.
For those that were not able to watch the premiere of the Bulls documentary, the main theme is the tension between general manager Jerry Krause and Bulls star Scottie Pippen. Let me begin with 1991, when Pippen agreed to a seven-year deal with the Bulls worth only $18 million. Today, that seems absurd, but the entire payroll for the Bulls was only $10 million during their first title. The only player that made well over a million dollars was Jordan. When Pippen signed that deal, it also made him the second highest paid player on the team. The Bulls literally paid Batman and Robin $16 million during their first three-peat. The entire payroll at the end of the three-peat was just over that, like $17, $18 million. Now, only the Celtics and the Lakers have ever accomplished a three-peat. Remember, the Bulls have the third most titles in NBA history and the Spurs and Warriors with five titles dominated after Jordan's retirement. Pippen at the time led the team in steals and assists while being second in points, rebounds, and minutes played. But before the final season, he was sixth on the roster in salary. So saying that the Bulls came up and accomplished their dynasty at a time when the NBA was just about to blow up is an understatement. The Olympic Dream Team was in 92 in the middle of the first three-peat. If you take a look at their team payroll through both three-peats in, in 1990, again, I said it was $10 million, all right? The next season, it bumps up to $16 million only because they gave Scottie Pippen that $2.8 million contract. They were paying Scottie Pippen and Michael Jordan. Uh, the following year, it goes up to $18 million. So at the end of their first three-peat, their entire team's payroll is $18 million. Jordan Pippen are making like seven. 1997, it jumped all the way up to 58 million. So the NBA was coming up, you know, teams. And Jordan got his first $30 million contract. His last two years with the Bulls, he was making 30 million. Again, Scottie Pippen signed that deal for seven years. So the whole entire Bulls dynasty, Scottie Pippen's making less than $3 million. Do you know who's making $3 million on the Bulls today? Ryan Archidiacono. It's not a shot at him. It's just a fact. And so Pippen and Jordan have five titles at this time. MJ is making $33 million plus endorsements and Pippen's still making $3 million. He's not even a top 100 highest paid player. And, and he's one of the best players in the NBA. Pippen elected to not get surgery on his foot in the offseason prior to the 97-98 season, and it lingered into the last dance season. Jordan acknowledged that in his mind, Pippen was being selfish and not looking in for the best interests of the team. Again, back to Krause, he told head coach Phil Jackson that he can go 82-0 in the 97-98 season, and he would still not return as the Bulls head coach. Uh, Jordan and Pippen spoke publicly about not returning to the Bulls and Pippen was put on the trade block after a decade with the team, only making $3 million. You got six titles and they don't even want to pay him. I'm gonna transition to a timeline of events that basically created Michael Jordan, some of them you may know. Obviously everybody knows he's cut from his varsity team at Laney High School as a sophomore. That summer he develops his game and grows from a height of 5'11 to 6'3. The best player at his own college, James Worthy and Sam Perkins, like were dogs, like you know, they were dogs together collectively. He did hit the game winner at the national title game against Georgetown as a freshman. Yeah, he was a freshman when he hit it. He's drafted third by the Bulls after Akeem Olajuwon by Houston, and he went to the University of Houston, so it was said, like, it was perfect matchup. And Sam Bowie by Portland. Sam Bowie by Portland. Portland also drafted Greg Oden over Kevin Durant. And Sam Bowie over Michael Jordan. Wait, Portland? Would have had KD? They yeah, they had the number one pick, yeah. <laughs> wow, yep. The Bulls are drawing the same attendance at the time as the Chicago Sting. The Chicago Sting who haven't been a team since Jordan's first MVP season. Since Jordan's first MVP season. Hit 30 years, bro. 30 years ago. So, so they ain't been getting no attention for 30 years. They haven't been a team. They, they dissolved. They're not even a roster. They don't have a team no more. 
Uh, he's drafted to the Bulls Cocaine Circus, bro. The entire team is celebrating 420 in the hotel room. Uh, South Park Christmas snow with buses, bro. Like. Jordan probably left and that'd be like, what the fuck is this? Still wins rookie of the year. They lose 3-1 to one against Milwaukee in the first round of the playoffs. Get this, his first playoff series against Milwaukee. 23-10, and 10, his first playoff game. They lose. 30-12 and 12 in his second playoff game. They lose. They scored, he scored 35 in game three. They actually won game three. And 29. And the Bulls are knocked out of the playoffs. 23, 30, 35, and 29, and the Bulls are out of the playoffs. As a rookie, three games into year two, he breaks his foot at Golden State. He returns at the end of the 1986 season in mid-March and in a pivotal game against the Pacers for the playoffs. Once again, Krause comes down from the office suite to the Bulls bench and takes MJ out the game with less than 30 seconds left in the game. Wow. To preserve his health and get a higher draft pick. Basically tanking. He wasn't trying to win. And if they, you know, the Bulls were under 500. If they would have lost the game and not made the playoffs, then they would have got a decent draft pick. And they were under 500 because Jordan didn't play the whole season. His tanking plan backfired. Uh, a young John Paxton hit the game winner against the Pacers, and the Bulls' reward for John Paxton hitting that game winner was playing the 1986 Celtics. Jordan scored 49 points in game one, and they lost. He scored 63 points in game two, and they lost. You feel me? Uh, the following year, his foot heals. He plays all 82 games, averages 40 minutes per game, and 37 points per game. Basically caught you up. Uh, the Bulls added Horace Grant, Scottie Pippen, and Bill Cartwright after the 86-87 season, and then Jordan won his first MVP. 